Hey guys, welcome back to Beyond the Walls podcast. I'm Sarah and I get to be joined here with Joe and we have the amazing opportunity of serving at Arise Church in Aberdeen, South Dakota, where we strive to love God, serve people and lead others into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. Today we are diving into kind of more of our conversations on marriage. Last week we had the opportunity to chat with the amazing Amanda Davison on the importance of prayer in marriage and communication. And this week we are going to be continuing that conversation. But in case you didn't have the opportunity to join us for those awesome conversations over the last few weeks, Joe, do you want to introduce our amazing special guest? Our amazing special guest, Amanda. Amanda. (laughs) (laughs) How was that? Hi, (laughs) guys. Perfect. Yeah, that's quite a buildup. Just like that. Amanda, she's been a friend for many years, uh, worked in ministry and life. The complete founder of A Wife Like Me Ministries speaks all over the world to people in their marriages and life and where they're at. And she loves Jesus. I do and, love Jesus. And cowboy hats, if I remember right. Yes. Sure do, Sarah. Thanks for that. Will right. do. For that reminder. Are you wearing your cowboy hat? I am not. Fun fact, I am still in my pajamas. Wow. Win. I know I am winning today. I feel good about it. <laughs> Thursday win day. There you go. Yep. That's awesome. Yeah. So I think kind of like we talked about last time, we've been kind of exploring the topics of marriage and just some of the key points along with that. And in our last episode, we were diving into a lot of communication and just the value of prayer. And I think, Amanda, you said that that is the number one thing that keeps the divorce rate down or that prayer is like the number one thing that couples can do. Yes, you are right. Absolutely. Praying together is uh, the number one factor that research shows greatly reduces the divorce rate above any other factor even just being engaged Christians, if you aren't praying together, you're the divorce um, statistic for Christian couples who are engaged in their faith is less than um, non-Christian couples, but the huge drop in divorce rate comes when couples are praying together. Yep. That makes sense. But at the same time, that surprises me that the power of prayer is that significant that would change those statistics that much. So what would you say to the people that struggle with praying? I mean, let alone for some reason, it's that intimidating factor of, you know, uh, where do what what people think? What do you say? How do you pray for your spouse? Or how do you just come to that sweet moment where you're just coming before the Lord together? Do you have any, not steps, but an encouragement for people or just a, a word of advice towards that? Yeah, you know, I think we talked, you know, a little bit about it last week, but if you're feeling hesitation around this idea or you maybe felt like you want to pray with your spouse, but just something makes you feel nervous about it, lean into that because the enemy does not want you to do that. Remember that, that that hesitation is not from the Lord. It's from the enemy. And so he's going to kill, destroy and steal anything good and wants to stop anything good from coming in your marriage. And the enemy knows how powerful it is. So if you're feeling that hesitation, that's normal. And that's actually a good sign. So all that it takes really is just to lean into it and and push past it. So don't wait for your spouse to initiate. If you're feeling that desire, you initiate it. And, you know, we kind of talked about last time too, just the very like practical um, ways I try to remind people of just the ways we can be praying is for our spouse so we can text 
our spouse a prayer. We can pray for them just in our alone time. We can pray with them. So together we're going to say a prayer and this doesn't have to be anything um, difficult. It can literally be like, hey, what's on your mind? Can we pray? Um, maybe pray before bed if, if the lights are off, like whatever you need to do to make yourself feel more comfortable about that. But say like, what's on your mind? How can I pray for you? And then it's very simple because then they're telling you exactly what they want to pray for, right? Like, mm-hmm. I don't know, I guess I had a long day. It was kind of hard or that meeting, kind of stressed about that meeting coming up or I'm feeling just overwhelmed with the kids or whatever that looks like. Then you can just pray for one another. And if your spouse doesn't want to pray, that's fine. You pray for your spouse and you pray whatever's on your heart. It doesn't have to be some long, elaborate prayer. Just do it. And then you can pray over your spouse anytime. So your spouse shares something that is heavy on their heart or difficult or stressed out about or any situation, you literally in that moment just say, hey, I'm going to pray and just place your hand on their shoulder or whatever and just pray about that situation in the moment. So easy ways to pray. And again, it doesn't have to look like this big thing. Just do it. Just start to do it. I think that's so cool to do. And just like you said, it does push people out of their comfort zone at first, but I'm sure over time, I don't know, for your guys' experiences within each of your marriages, how that's progressed over time. If that's gotten easier for you, if that's gotten harder, if certain seasons kind of affected that differently. Yes. Yeah, for sure. (laughs) I think when, when we are as couples disengaged, busy, stressed, focused on other things, you'll see it's less at the forefront of our minds to pray for one another, pray together for us when we're like in a busy season or life's kind of crazy. For us, it's definitely gotten easier. You know, the more you do it, it's like you're building that spiritual muscle. It's not really awkward anymore because you just kind of something that you do as time goes on. What do you think, Joel? Yeah, I'm pretty much the same thing. There are those times and moments where you don't necessarily want to pray for them. And that's when you know you should. And so the the longer in marriage that I've been, the easier it is to be like, I don't want to, so I should. It's going to be awkward, but I'm just going to do it because you know it's the right thing. It'll strengthen and overall unite and... Yeah. Yeah. Going back to what you just said, I I love the for, with, and over, and that can just apply to every and uh, all circumstances. So there you go. Sweet. (laughs) I can only imagine in terms of different seasons in life, you guys have both kind of experienced a few in terms of kind of going through the early marriage, marriage where it's just kind of you and your spouse, and then also kind of introducing kids into the mix. So how would you kind of say that parenting has affected your marriage? Oh, I think it makes it so much easier. How about you? <laughs> yeah, life really got easy when we started having kids for <laughs> sure. That's when it became like smooth sailing. Yeah, yeah. I'll tell you what. Less arguments, less, I mean, everything. It was just a, it's, it's like going back to the honeymoon phase of the relationship. Yeah, I started sleeping through the night. Like, <laughs> it was amazing. Finances Finally. were abundant. <laughs> Moods were perfect. Yeah. Yeah. So, Great mood. Yep, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. so I'm not sure, Sarah, if you're picking up on the heavy <laughs> uh, and thick sarcasm that what? was laid No, yeah. not at all. It, uh, no, it, it changes. It's so hard to explain the level of change that it makes. And it, it's almost like your experience with Jesus. You can't explain it to someone that hasn't experienced it before. So like walking into a room and seeing the exhausted look on Chad, Chad and Amanda's face, I'd be like, mm, I get it. You know, you, you just kind of can unite over the the common misery that sometimes plays 
But at the same time, there's also those joys that happen where, you know, you, you share about the moment, the victories of, you know, the child's first step or, you know, you guys got through diapers or all those different things. So there's also that unity and that excitement as well. But man, it's a whirlwind. It changes everything. You know, most people, I think, and I could be wrong. I, I One time I read that most people have kids within the first five years of marriage. And you're still getting to know each other at that time. So then you throw in a mm. new human that you have no idea what to do with that depends on you. It changes everything. So mm-hmm. there's, I should have uh, found the statistics on that, but it's something around like the seven year mark after couples have kids that I think their chances of divorce are like through the roof um, during those first seven years after kids. And it's not surprising if you think about it, you know, when, when a couple first has a baby, if you think about this, the baby does take all of the attention, right? It has to. The child, the baby is dependent on mom and dad for survival. So you kind of have, you can't just like, sorry, mom and dad are going to have our time. Doesn't work that way. Like your life does revolve around that baby at first. And so what happens typically is that we just continue on in that phase where we get a couple years, you know, like a year or two into having our first kiddo and we're still living our lives around that baby and everything revolves around their snack, their eating, their sleep, their everything. And that's just our lives. And so pretty soon if you then have another child and, or you even don't, but that's like that stays your reality is that everything revolves around the, the child. Well, no wonder then pretty soon, you know, a husband and wife, they're going to look at each other and think, I don't even know if I like you. I don't even know if I know you. We're not having fun anymore. And P.S. like we can barely communicate because it's so hard and we're not even connecting. That's a hard, hard, hard season for married couples when we have littles in the home. And it's helpful, I think, to know that because then we can actually do something about it. We can be aware of it. We can be intentional, you know, really about having that time to connect. And so that's like my number one thing. If you have littles in the home right now, if you and your spouse are not prioritizing time together, just you two, you got to start and do whatever it takes to be able to do that. You know, I say frequently to couples, Think about a daily thing, a weekly thing, a monthly thing, a yearly thing. Practical way to think, you know, every day. Also, I want to say, too, in this season of life when there's little, it's really easy. What I see happen all the time, what I experience myself, is because the child or the children become the main focus because they're so needy in those young years, you mom and dad often take a back seat personally. So your own needs are also not being met. You are not emotionally, physically, nutritionally, psychologically, socially doing well because your whole life is poured into that child or the children. So it's super, super, super important. I, I always say if mom and dad are not individually doing well, there's no way you can count on the marriage doing well. You both have to be doing what you have to be doing, what you need to be doing to make sure you are well personally, and that looks different for everybody, so that in the marriage you're doing well. And that's not selfish. That's loving your people well. It's saying, kids, I love you so much that mom is going to do this because I want to be really healthy 
for you all. So, you know, if that's picking up a class at the Y, because man, in the last few years, I have neglected my body, my health, my and I feel yuck and gross. And I don't want to feel that way because that's not loving each other well, right? Maybe it's, I need to, I need to cut TV out and start reading again, because my soul just craves that to be healthy and well, you know, man, I'm not in the word, I, I'm going to prioritize a Saturday morning, you know, Bible study group or something, because I love you so well, I want to make sure mom is doing or dad is doing well. And, you know, like, these are just basic things that go out the window, oftentimes when we have kids. So we have to remember, man, if I'm not well, I can't expect my marriage to be well. So we we have to make sure we're doing what we need to be doing for our own souls first. And then daily, again, so daily, what am I doing for myself? What is something every day that I can do for myself that's going to help my own health, my own well-being? It might be uh, meditating on one scripture a month, and I'm just going to meditate on that every day for five minutes or whatever that is daily. Um, I'm going to choose to eat. Literally, I'm going to swap out that granola bar that I grab or those chips I grab at my afternoon snack and said, I'm going to eat an apple every afternoon. Oh, my land. Like something simple. But what am I going to do for myself, for my own well-being to fill that and to make sure I'm well? And then what am I going to do for myself each day? Just something. Am I going to text him or her? Am I going to just say, hey, thinking about you, I love you. Here's a prayer. What Daily, right? And then weekly, what's something I can do for myself each week? Again, doesn't have to mean like I leave the house. It's just, I'm going to take a weekly walk with the Lord. Or, and you know, and as a week, as a couple, what will we do each week? Um, every Sunday, especially in these young years, when the kids are little, every week, my, a mother-in-law or neighbor, or we're going to swap kids every Sunday. Every other week, we'll swap kids. And for two hours, we're just going to, I don't know, do whatever we want. Just grab lunch, go for a walk, go for a drive, get coffee, talk. Whatever that is, just connect weekly. After the kids go to bed every Friday, we're going to turn off our phones. We're going to have a like pick up a fun dessert just for us and watch a movie every Friday night. It's like our night at home, right? Like you don't even have to leave the home, but weekly, what is that? Set that up, schedule it, like make it a routine. Monthly, what does that look like? Maybe one date night out of the house a month. And then yearly, what is something you can look forward to a year? And so that's something that for yourself, be thinking about. And then as a couple, be thinking about, but especially in those young years, get creative when the kids are little, get creative and fight for this time. No one will do it for us. Like we have to carve that out. But again, and especially when the kids are little, like I, I just cannot stress enough because pretty soon what happens when husband and wife are not connected is that then everything gets hard. There's communication breakdowns. There's conflict is heightened and they're definitely unresolved. So you're going around and around and around on the same topics and you're not finding resolve on it. Everything breaks down. Physical intimacy then breaks down because you're not feeling emotionally connected. Everything begins to be so hard when you're not intentionally doing these things. And so I just, I can't stress how important that is in those young years. That is incredible advice. I I love that uh, daily, weekly, monthly, and yearly and the little bit I, I would add to that is quite often it's so hard individually to do that because I, I know when I needed to take time or I need to do something, I, I'd feel like I was being selfish. And I know Lindsay mm-hmm. felt the same thing. So not just fighting for yourself individually, but I would fight for Lindsay to have her time. Like, no, yeah. you need this, you know, 
when you're thinking about for yourself, just being healthy, especially in those first few marriages, whenever you're just running on pure adrenaline and survival mode, it's hard to say, I need a half hour for this, or I need this. So I know Lindsay would say, you need to, you need to go do this. And I would say, no, you need time to do this type of thing. So fighting for the other person as well, I think is, is a huge, huge thing. Yeah. And I just want to speak again for anyone feeling selfish. Like you said, that word is such a lie. Honestly, like we see scripturally, Jesus, he straight up left his people to be alone with the Lord and to fill his soul, to get alone with God and pray, to be with him, to refocus. But I really do feel like that is a huge lie from the pit of hell, that it is selfish to refuel. It's loving your soul. It's loving others so well by making sure you're doing well. That's loving your people well. So we have to really work as like a Christian community to redefine that. And like, that's biblical. It's biblical. Jesus ate well. He napped. Hello. He took a nap. He took his time. He um, was never rushed. He spent time with his friends. He walked a lot. (laughs) This is like basic biblical disciplines of caring for yourself so that you can work out of that place of ministry. You can do ministry out of that place of overflow. So, I mean, I think Jesus would be like, why are you calling that selfish people? You've got to do it. Like it's a must to do the work of the kingdom. Absolutely. So anyway. Yeah. So why do you think that we have this mindset that it is selfish? Like where, where do you think that we're getting that message from? Because we can have like such extreme in the world, right? On one end, there's people, Christian and non, who, you know, on one end of the spectrum, if you will, who are like, deny yourself, deny your needs, yourself for the benefit of others. And then on the other end of the spectrum, it's like, get a pedicure every day if you want to be happy or something, you know, like on the other end is this um, extreme self-care message from the world, if you will, that screams at the world like, hey, you matter most. So therefore, this is what you need to be to take care of yourself. And it's all of this fill in the blank, whatever that looks like. So there's these like two ends of the spectrum that are neither are healthy, neither are biblical. So what's the verse, Um, Joe, I definitely don't know. But Love your neighbor as you love yourself, right? Yep. The, whatever scripture that is. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. It's not love your neighbor and neglect yourself. It's love your neighbor and yourself. Like you've got to care for your, he, Jesus never says deny your well-being. No, he says honor your, your body, honor this temple that I am residing in, that my spirit lives in. Like honor you as you love people. Like love your, you, we can't, I mean, again, look at Jesus as an example, um, he again, he models caring for ourselves well, not not that it is an self elevating, but so that we can serve people well. We can't serve well out of a place of depletion. We serve well out of a place of abundant living with the spirit, and that is mind, body, soul. So if I can be feeding myself pure crap, and I'm not going to be serving people well because I'm feeling nasty and I'm sick because I'm not loving my, like I'm not caring for this temple, right? Like it takes all of those things to serve and minister out of a place of wholeness. And so that's biblical. So we just have to like use our words wisely and kind of redefine what that wellness looks like as a Christian 
because we have to be caring for ourselves and actually like that is sharpening each other and sort of like getting on my soapbox I guess with this topic wow but like we can sharpen each other in that like uh Joel or Sarah man like you're my sister you're my brother in Christ I'm noticing that I don't know you seem like so overwhelmed you're so busy you know are you like living out of that place of like abundant living and his rhythm and his pace of, of living or like what's going on I can sense in your spirit you're hurried or rushed what's up with that like let's talk let's chat about it and like sharpening each other into again like a place of wholeness because that's where we minister well that's how we like again and it's mind body soul so you know, Amanda, you got five large blizzards at Dairy Queen last week. Usually you only get two. Like, <laughs> you doing okay? Like, really? Like, are you caring for your body? Because I care about you. And I want, like, our job here is so important to build his church, build his kingdom. And I just want to make sure you're caring for the temple that the same spirit of God that raised Jesus from the dead lives in. Are you caring for you? Because we're called to do that well. That's a good thing, you know? I would just like real quick, Amanda, I think that was more of a confession on your part than it was advice. Like, are, are you doing okay? Was there five blizzards last week? You know what? Just mind your own business. <laughs> oh, you know, I don't, we don't do that. And that's like loving. That's, that's important that we, that we look at like how we are caring for ourselves and that it's not a selfish thing. It's a loving others so well that we refuse to not care for ourselves. Like we have to care for ourselves so that we can care for others well so it's just you know when I hear like oh I feel so bad I feel so guilty I shouldn't you know go away to that you know retreat man um you know every year I'll give an example every and, and every every person is made so differently and when we do enter into marriage and we have a family it's important that we honor how we are each uniquely made I have an autoimmune disease. I get overwhelmed really easily. I crash a lot. Like if I do too much or if I'm not getting sleep for a stint of time, I crit my body physically. Like I just kind of like need a day or two and I like can barely move. For a long time, I hated that about myself and I fought it. And I think my husband, was, you know, struggled with it. And then I finally was like, okay, like, God, this is how you made me and you make good things. So instead of hating my body, I'm going to honor this body you gave me and honor what this body needs. And that looks different than other people. One of the things I've found that is really beneficial for me is after a long season, spring through fall, my husband is really like not available he, for his job. He just is gone. And so I'm on, I'm doing air quotes, like I'm, I'm in charge and that that's not awful most seasons. It's sometimes, sometimes it's really hard on me. And for me to completely refresh, shut down like my brain, my body, I've found that getting away is very helpful. And I typically try to schedule something where, or it's an extended period of time, like five-ish days where I can literally get physically away somewhere and, and just literally refresh my soul. And it is a very helpful thing I found to kind of reset my body. But anyway, I'm just, that's, a, that's an example of something that I have found to be very fruitful for me to be able to come home, then serve out of a place of abundance. That's just my yearly thing, right? But um, again, that daily, weekly, monthly, what does that look like for us? It's not a selfish thing. It's something that I'm honoring my body with, the body that God gave me with, so that I can serve well other people. I think that's absolutely so true and something that I think in general, 
people uh, we can look past and fall into kind of that mindset you're talking about of it just feels selfish to take care of myself. If I'm a Christian, mm. I should deny myself, pick up my cross, you know, all this stuff. Yep. And um, self-care just goes out the window. But at the same time, it's we're also called to be good stewards over the resources that God has given us. And one of those things is ourselves. And so we do need to make sure that we're taking care of ourselves like white, like you're talking about. Um, and I think mm. something along with that is whether you're married or not, that's something people can be working on. And if you're a single person out there, or even if you're in a dating relationship, somewhere along the line of your relationships, I think it is good to start practicing those things Mm -hmm. and prioritizing, okay, what do I need to take care of me so I can be there for other people? Just ultimately preparing yourself for that marriage. If you see yourself going down that route someday with that, I think kind of like a similar theme. I know Joe of like what you mentioned and Amanda, what you mentioned of just making sure that we're looking out for each other and sharpening each other as well. So one of the biggest ways that we hear in a lot of relationships is love languages. So how has love languages or knowing that affected your relationship with your spouse? Has it helped? Is it real? Does it exist? Like what's the deal with it? I'll just speak from my perspective on this. So the Love Languages book, if you're not familiar with it, you know, it, it helps you identify like what, you know, avenue, let's say you experience love, like what speaks love to you, it's like acts of service, words of affirmation, physical touch. What's the other one? Time, quality time. And what's the fifth one? Gifts. I don't remember. Gifts. Yes, 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 yes. Clearly that's not my love language. Gifts. So, okay, that's great. Let's figure out what our love languages are, okay? Mine are words of affirmation. My husband is acts of service, okay? The problem is now that I know that, now that he knows that, our husband and wife know that, we can know that as much as we can and attempt to speak that other, like our spouse's love language, as much as we like hope to do that. Here's the reality, though. I'm just a realist. So, like, if my love language is words of affirmation, I'm naturally going to show love in my own love language. I'm going to speak words of affirmation to my husband, tell him how amazing he is because that's my love language and that's how I feel love. So I'm going to show him love in my love language and same with him. He thinks that doing all the laundry is so loving and I'm super grateful, but it doesn't tell me that he loves me at all. He's just doing laundry, right? To him, he's loving me. That's a way of loving me. So he's speaking love to me in his own love language. So my point is, is it's very, I think it's, we have to be super careful with that, that we're not, you know, now that you know my love language, why aren't you speaking it kind of thing? Well, because it's not mine. <laughs> I don't naturally show love in your love language. I show it in mine. So I think it's just like helpful to know that, oh, that's why my, in a sense of like, that's why my husband it does those things because that's his love language and vice versa. So I think if we like put the expectation whenever we do that, like on our spouse that, oh, now that you know that I love gifts, why haven't you gotten me a gift all year? Because their love language is quality time, you know, or whatever. We just have to be super careful that we're not putting those expectations on each other. Like we can be aware and try our very best, but also chances are they're probably not going to do it as well as you'd like. Anyway, that's my little thought on that. Yeah. So actually the, the love languages helped me out quite a bit, a little bit opposite of the experience that you had, Amanda. It was more freeing for me because Lindsay and I are very opposite and in how we express and show love and how we feel loved. And so it was 
it allowed me to understand what her love language was. And so when she showed me through her love language, I, I then translated, okay, this may not be how I feel love, but this is how you're telling me. So I'll put it through the filter of that. And that was for able for me to process that. Um, and then when yeah. I get selfish and I get into a funk, I think to myself, well, why can't you love me the way I want to be loved? But then that falls back on me and my heart and more my issues. So yeah. It, it caused some frustrations, but it was more revealing my heart in the situation, but then also helped in the latter. So, yeah. So I think with love languages, they're just, like you said, there's kind of the both aspects of it where it's not the end all or be all on loving your partner or expressing love, receiving love, but it is kind of like Joe, you said, helpful in being able to maybe understand your partner and what they're trying to communicate, how they communicate their love and just even understanding how you receive it and how you maybe share your love with other people. It's just kind of good personal knowledge to have. But yeah, just that kind of qualifier like you were talking about, Amanda, that it's not necessarily having to have the final say on all that stuff either. But what would you guys say is the biggest thing that you have learned in terms of either being loved by your partner or loving your partner? I'll go first. I knew this question was coming. So I think the biggest thing that I probably learned early on that I was able to practically apply, I've learned so many things over the 17 years of marriage, but I I know this definitely helped quite a bit, was allowing Lindsay to love me and serve me because I had a real struggle of allowing her to show me love and to serve me in a way that was honoring to me. I felt that I needed to do everything to, yeah. And and so allowing her to love me helped me be loved and served, but then also allowed her to grow deeper in her love and affections for me. And so when I would stop that or, or think that, you know, you can't do this or I need to do everything or all that things, it, it actually slowed her growth of affection for me. And so I know right off the bat that was huge for me is to allow allow myself to be loved and serve. And yeah, mm-hmm. I, I still at times struggle with that because I'm I'm definitely a doer and a fixer, and I know that's how I'm naturally built. So constantly trying to resolve, fix, or take care of is is just naturally who I am. So to allow someone or others to do that for me was hard. So yeah, mm-hmm. and I like mm-hmm. to be loved. It feels good. Uh, for me. Uh, my upbringing, I, I like dealt with abandonment. I've been, I have abandonment issues. I have just, oh, there was a lot of unhealth in my home growing up. And so like as an, and I wasn't a Christian when we got married or five years into our marriage. So for me, when it comes to like marriage and love, I, I had to really understand that or I, I guess I had this like twist of a turn where I had thought that my husband should be loving me XYZ and my expectations were super unrealistic and unhealthy and he could never do that for me. That's why our marriage ended up where it did um, 10 years ago. And so since then, then becoming a Christian, learning this whole new way of living, a way that is completely upside down from the world's perspective, it still to this day takes this turn in my, I guess my brain when I start to feel disappointed or, oh, I, you know, I'm not getting XYZ from my husband. It's a trigger. It's a, it's a signal for me that, whoo, 
I'm looking to him for things that that's a void in my own heart. That's not maybe a him issue. It's a me issue. And that's my signal then to like, oh, oh, yuck, gross. Amanda, how are you with the Lord? Have you been intimate with the Lord? Have you been practicing his presence and like just soaking in his in his goodness and in his love? Ooh, nope, I haven't. That's why I'm looking to my husband. Like that's a, such a good signal for me. So for me, it's like I have to, like when it comes to my biggest thing I've learned, I guess, is I don't ever want to expect my husband to love me in a certain way. And whenever I do, I'm going to be disappointed. He's a good man. He loves me very much. And it's not ever going to be to the level where I would desire it fleshly, like my Amanda flesh to look like. This is never because he's human. And I came into this marriage with super unrealistic expectations. So for me, the biggest thing has been, Amanda, the Lord loves you so much. And when you are satisfied in him and the Lord's love for you, like who he is, and when I am like in awe of who and what Jesus has done for me, and when I'm experiencing intimacy with Holy Spirit, oh, wouldn't you know, I'm not looking to other people to be something. So for me, that's what I've learned. And it's just to sort of like release my husband from these bondage, really, of like, you have to do this, that, and that, and leads to control, and like, I'm bitter, and you're never, it's never enough, and why don't, don't you love me enough, and blah, 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 blah. You know, that's a very real thing, and it has been a real thing in the past, and so... It's like so nasty and gross and it's from the pit of hell. So for me, that's the biggest thing I've learned. Jesus is everything. (laughs) Literally, it sounds so like, okay, whatever. But when I'm like, again, soaking in his presence and his love and his truth, and I'm looking to him to fill my desires, that actually happens. And then I'm like coming into marriage with like, hey, you don't need to be anything for me. I just love you. And I want, I just want to love you, you know? Um, now, I'm not saying like it's okay to be a jerk in marriage. If my husband were a jerk, then we'd have to talk, right? But I'm just saying like he doesn't have intention, he doesn't intentionally try to do things to me that are whatever, not loving. So I'm not saying if that's the case for someone listening, like that's a different conversation. But for me, my husband can't, for any of us, our spouses cannot be, they're not God. They weren't designed to ever fulfill your deepest longing. Only Jesus, Holy Spirit can do that, not your spouse. All right. Yeah, guys, thanks so much for talking and for uh, sharing about your experiences with marriage and um, communication as parents. I know that's kind of a crazy hard stage in life, but um, we're just so excited to just continue chatting with you guys. And thank you, Joe. Thank you, Amanda, for yeah sharing what you learned. We're crazy excited to dive into our topic next week of sex and intimacy. So uh, we will chat at you next time. Thanks.